This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hi, this is Ed Charbonneau with Eat Sleep Code, and I just wanted to let you guys know that we are trying to make the show better. So we've set up a survey at developer.telerik.com slash survey, and we are collecting feedback from listeners to see what we can do to make the show better for you. So please stop by developer.telerik.com slash survey and fill it out. We'd appreciate it. We've also got 10 licenses to Telerik products and t-shirts that we'll be giving away to 10 lucky winners. Thanks for your help. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Nick Raboy. How's it going, Nick? Things are going pretty good, man. How about you? Uh, excellent. Um, you are one of our Telerik developer experts, so that's a program that uh, we have here um, at Progress. And uh, what that is, um, is a program for people that uh, go above and beyond uh, talking about our products and uh, just showing this uh, general interest of all things Telerik. And you've done a lot of really great articles um, on your blog and ours um, about various products, including NativeScript. And uh, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about what it is that you do um, because you've done a lot of talking about what we do. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, why don't you give us a, a little info about uh, what it is that you do for um, Couchbase? Yeah, so uh, for the daytime, I, I actually do work at Couchbase. So Couchbase is a NoSQL database company. It's it's open source. Um, I'm actually a developer advocate at Couchbase. Uh, so I go around to conferences. I do a lot of tutorials. I overall just help drive developer adoption and make sure everyone who uses Couchbase is very successful at what they do. As far so, as, oh yeah, go on. Um, so you said Couchbase is a NoSQL uh, product. What What is a NoSQL product? Yeah, so are you familiar with uh, relational databases at all? Yeah, so a relational database would be something like Microsoft SQL or, um, shoot, it escapes my, it's escaping me, uh, the one that you back... Um, Lamp stacks with um, yeah, usually my, MySQL. You, yeah, usually MySQL or Postgres. Uh, there's a lot of different relational databases. The thing about relational databases is that there are a lot of constraints that make it a lot more difficult to work with uh, uh, data that changes frequently. Uh, so you you have these constraints on your tables, and you have to add these columns, and then say for example tomorrow you're your data changes and you need to add some more columns, well, you need to write some upgrade scripts and do a lot of work to make room for these new changes. Uh, with NoSQL, you're actually, you're not confined to any kind of schema. There's no there's no constraints in that sense. So if your data changes tomorrow, uh, well, you can just add it in without having to upgrade every other piece of data that you have. Uh, Couchbase in particular is a document database. So the the, the data that you store in Couchbase it's going to be JSON data. So all of your data structure is basically a JSON file. Is that 
like a, a flat single flat file or multiple files? How does that work? Yeah. So so each so think of it as uh, every time you do a create or or an insert, uh, you're creating a new JSON document, and you can you can choose to model your your data uh, however you choose. You could you could uh, include a lot of different things, very, very complex data. So you could have maybe this JSON file that has a bunch of arrays and each array has objects with which have more nested arrays in them. Uh, you could you could have something as complex as that, or you can really model your data to be more like a relational database where you would have lots of smaller documents uh, that have key references to other documents. So you can you can do relationships in that sense. And I'm sure there's a reason for all this. Like, why why is this beneficial over something like uh, SQL or Postgres? Yeah, so um, I like to think of one of the major benefits is um, being able to work with, with no schema uh, lets you stay very dynamic and very, very fast at uh, keeping up with changes. Because I don't know if you've ever developed any applications of your own, uh, but mine, I tend to do a lot of poor planning on my own personal applications and my data changes frequently and to have to maintain these scripts to 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 upgrade every time some data changes uh, can become quite a hassle um, it also uh, with 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 a NoSQL database you tend to be a distributed database uh, which can often be a lot cheaper as well uh, because you're not having to worry about scaling up this massive beefy server uh, with lots of RAM and processing power. Instead, you're, you're just adding more servers to a cluster. So when we think about writing data to a database and interacting with a database, uh, most of us these days use something called an ORM or an object relational mapper. And we, we do that so we can write um, more native code rather than going and writing directly to SQL itself. Is there something of the sort with a NoSQL database, or is that just not needed? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can absolutely use something like that. So uh, instead of calling it an ORM, which is common with uh, relational databases, you're actually working with what's called an ODM, which is an, uh, an object document model. Um, so for example, if you use Node.js, uh, there's a uh, extension that you could use called Ottoman, uh, which will allow just that and create these uh, these mappings for you. And that that kind of covers what a NoSQL uh, database is. Uh, what does Couchbase do exactly? So Couchbase, um, of course, is a document database and it's open source. Uh, but one of the a few of the uh, core advantages of using Couchbase versus something else is for one, Couchbase includes a caching layer uh, built in. So everything that you do is with the cache. And then as necessary, it, it communicates with the disk. So that that uh, gives you a lot of performance uh, with Couchbase. Another, another core benefit is uh, especially uh, there's a lot of advantage if you're coming from a relational database because Couchbase actually has this uh, query language called Nickel which allows you to run SQL queries against your complex JSON data. So this is huge because other NoSQL databases, uh, you have to do a lot of this parsing and data manipulation and querying through your application code rather than a query language. And uh, what, what types of things are you working on at Couchbase? You said you were um, 
an evangelist or advocate for them. What what kind of projects are you uh, off working on? Yeah, so recently I've I've made a, a cool a few cool projects. So one of them uh, being a um, Node.js project. Uh, we're calling we we did a few webinars on it. Uh, we're calling it the compliance application. It's on GitHub. It's github.com slash couchbase labs slash comply. Uh, and that really takes advantage of using not only uh, Node.js with Couchbase, uh, but it also it's a it's a very complex application. It uses Ottoman for ODM. It also uses Angular 2 and TypeScript as the front end. So it's it's the full package in that application. And it's uh, it's pretty cool if you're if you're trying to learn any of these technologies because it's it's it has a lot of depth to it. Uh, and then recently, I, I also did an IoT kind of application just to experiment to see, hey, can I use Couchbase on an IoT device? Um, the answer is yes, I could. Um, so I actually picked up uh, an Intel IoT gateway and some iBeacons. I installed uh, a Java Couchbase application on this IoT device, and I was able to scan for iBeacons. So uh, I just talked to... Um... Jim Holmes, which is another TDE of ours, and we got into this discussion about uh, developers, you know, having like silos and and specializations and different things. And I find it interesting that it comes up again here, where you're you're talking about Couchbase, which is a persistence medium, or you know, the database layer, uh, for lack of a better term, and you have these other projects you're, you're talking about IOT, uh, Angular 2, very much like full stack type of things, right? Yep. Yeah, so um, it, it's interesting that you're, you know, specially, uh, specializing in, in Couchbase yet, you know, pivoting over to, say, Angular 2, for example. Um, what is it like working with Angular 2 and Couchbase together? Uh, so, so Couchbase doesn't have any official uh, JavaScript library. Uh, so Angular 2 acts more of a uh, front end that uses HTTP requests against a back end. And in my case, um, it's more often than not uh, either Node.js or Java. Uh, but being that Couchbase is a database and databases are used in pretty much every scenario, um, it, it does make a perfect application uh, for basically all languages and all technologies because in all senses you you're going to need a database and do you find that like other developers when you go speak at conferences and uh maybe user groups that they're they're kind of crossing these boundaries too where they're they're not just developing you know on the the uh, couch base side of things or the database side of things they're you know reaching out into uh the business layer or the front end ui layer yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I mean, um, back ten years ago, um, you could probably get away with just doing one thing. But nowadays, I I think. I mean, this is what I've seen. Uh, it's hard to get by without being a full stack developer and doing everything in the stack, whether that be mobile, working with a database, working with front end, working with back end, whatever it may be. Yeah, when I when I was doing full time development, that was. Um doing a lot of full stack stuff just because the team was just that small. It was pretty much myself actually. Um, but I think, you know, some, some of this may be, uh, to the fact that, uh, the barrier between the different 
technologies has gotten a little bit easier to manage. You know what I mean? With, uh, like you said, on um, sorry, I, for, I forget what it was. Uh, the the similar thing to an ORM. What was that again? An ODM. Yeah, ODM. Sorry. Uh, so with something like an ODM or an ORM, um, you kind of break down that barrier of you know needing to know the language to talk to uh, the database or the NoSQL uh, file structure. Yeah, absolutely. I think those things have really given full stack developers a lot of power. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And how does um, how does the IoT space fare then uh, with this type of you know full stack development? Yeah, so I mean, I'm just I'm just recently getting into the IoT space. Um, so I'm just speaking on uh, personal experience here. Um, but I mean, IoT devices they have a certain amount of memory. Most of them, uh, I think, run uh, Linux, which you can install some some version of Java on. Uh, so if you can get Java going, uh, or maybe you're using Python or something else, uh, you can either uh, communicate to a remote database. Maybe you're collecting weather information, or uh, there's so many different use cases for IoT. Uh, but uh, in my example, I just had uh, a database installed directly on uh, the IoT device, and that that in turn synchronized with my remote database. So there's there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, but I I definitely think IoT and databases. Um, they're both necessary to play together. Yeah, so I'm picking up on a little bit of something here, and I don't know if you've mentioned it already. Uh, when you talk about Couchbase, um, you know, you talked about installing it right on the IoT device. So is this something that's obviously can be installed locally? So it's it's an on-premises type of a thing. Is there yeah, a cloud service or great question? So. Uh, Couchbase is actually composed of three different components. So you have uh, Couchbase Server, which is the cloud component. Uh, you would install that on some server, maybe AWS or or Docker or something like that. But then you also have two other components, uh, which are part of Couchbase Mobile. Uh, so uh, you have this local database that you can embed in applications called Couchbase Lite. And you can ca embed Couchbase Lite in IoT devices. You can embed it in Android applications, iOS applications, and then uh, you can use uh, you can communicate to Couchbase server from your local device using the third component being Couchbase Sync Gateway, which handles all of the synchronization. Because Couchbase server has no idea about uh, this Couchbase Lite component, and Couchbase Lite has no idea of Couchbase server. It's it's this middleman service that does all of that work for you. So you have the ability to scale up to a cloud-based system, or you can have an on-premises or even smaller with Couchbase. Yeah, it depends on what you're trying to do. Interesting, because when you get into that type of stuff uh, with uh, relational databases, you run into things like replication, and um, sometimes those type of databases don't work well on small devices. Um, this uh, version of Couchbase, uh, Couchbase Mobile, or, or was it Couchbase Mobile or Couchbase Lite? Did I so it depends. phrase so, that right? Yeah, so Couchbase Mobile is a collection of, of products, whereas Couchbase Lite is specifically the embeddable uh, local database that uh, only does stuff locally on uh, lower spec devices. 
Okay, so this is a product that's spe specifically engineered for that application. Correct. Interesting. Yeah, we ha we have some options in uh, SQL land. Um, I haven't really dove into those directly myself, but I'm familiar with some of them, and I don't always hear great stories about them. Yeah, so typically, um, if you if you were to subtract uh, Couch Base Light from the uh, lineup, you you'd probably be using SQL uh in a lot of these cases, uh, which would be, I guess you can call it a, a relational database. You're still running SQL queries against it, uh, but Couchbase Light will give you that NoSQL feel uh, that that Couchbase Light doesn't. And we have a, another segment to this podcast where we we talk about articles that we find around the web, and you've had quite a few of those uh, articles appear on the show. Um, because you do a great job at writing up these tutorials uh, in depth. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, they're not easy. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the show before. Like, um, as a developer advocate for Telerk, we do these things all the time as well. And uh, they can get pretty uh, intense and time-consuming to, to get right. And um, I've read a few of yours, and they're really well put together. Um, and you had some on working with uh, Couchbase Mobile and NativeScript. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so uh, before ng-conf in May, uh, I actually worked with somebody from Telerik, uh, well, which is now Progress. Uh, his name is Mafuz. Uh, he's over in Palo Alto, which is which is pretty pretty close to where I am. Um, but together, we actually made this plugin, uh, which uh, is for NativeScript, and uh, it exposes the... Couchbase Lite uh, SDKs for both iOS and Android, and allows us to use them in a NativeScript application. Um, so with that, uh, we were able to make these demo applications, whether that be with TypeScript or JavaScript or even Angular 2, we have a demo for. Uh, so we were able to make this, this application that uses NoSQL, uh, but also uh, was able to synchronize without any issue uh, between, uh, between platform OSs and uh, between Couchbase Server. So what is, what's the barrier to entry on something like that with um, NativeScript? Was it uh, just pulling in this um, uh, module that you and um, Mafuz created, and then you just have an API from there? Is there any additional setup? or? Yeah, so uh, there's a little bit to it. So if you wanted to use uh, strictly just the local version, uh, Couchbase Lite in your app, that's perfectly acceptable because... A lot of apps you may never need to synchronize to a server, and that's that's fine. Uh, so if you want to just use it locally, all you would have to do is you would uh, add the plugin, and then you would uh, use the various APIs that are part of the plugin. But if you want to start adding synchronization uh, into your application, uh, you would of course need to install Couchbase Server, uh, which again, all all three of these are open source. You can go download them; they take like a minute to install. Um, but you would install Couchbase Server. And then you would uh, have Couchbase Sync Gateway running somewhere. And essentially, the only extra step to get syncing working would be to define uh, what uh, host your Sync Gateway is running at inside of your NativeScript application. And then it takes it from there. Sync Gateway will, will handle everything for you. And uh, using Couchbase Mobile on a, a native app like that, what, what type of data would be useful for that type of a situation? Any kind. I mean, um, 
I mean, our examples are only basic to-do list applications, but I mean, you could you could store any kind of data you want. Any if you if you want to synchronize your data, I mean, maybe maybe you want to build a, a password manager like One Password, which I I personally use, uh, which which synchronizes it with uh, I think Dropbox. Uh, but maybe you want to create something that synchronizes complex data between all of your devices because many people don't just have one device. I myself have like four different devices that I use at home. Um, so that that could be an example. So that it works good with uh, small pieces of data like a user profile and then larger things like if I built a fitness app and wanted to collect you know, lots of data points over time, it works well for that. Absolutely. And uh, have you seen um, any implementations of Couchbase Mobile that are kind of in the wild? Yeah. So I mean, um, from a native script perspective, I've seen many many people in the Slack channel um, using Couchbase um, with the with the native script plugged in. I am not aware if they've published anything yet. But from just Couchbase Mobile in general, uh, subtracting native script from it because the plugin is pretty new, uh, you you have companies like Ryanair. Uh, who have publicly shown that, that hey, they're using uh, Couchbase. And Ryanair, if you're not familiar, is, is an airliner. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different uh, stories on the Couchbase website on, on who exactly is using it in the wild. Very nice. Well, so um, what other types of things are you working on uh, for Couchbase lately? Uh, yeah, it's just mostly content, uh, trying to keep up with all of the latest and greatest technologies. Um, because, um, I, myself, I, I like reading about this stuff. I like, I like fiddling with, with these different technologies and figuring out, uh, well, how could, how could you use a database in them? And, uh, what about outside of work? Is there any like tech stuff or, uh, languages that you're really kind of like geeking out to lately? Yeah. I mean, lately, I mean, it's obvious from my blog, but, uh, and I'm talking about my personal blog. Um, I've been doing a lot of Angular 2 stuff um, and TypeScript, which both are pretty new to me, but I am finding them very pleasant to work with. And these are, of course, JavaScript uh, frameworks. Uh, but I also do a lot of web, uh, a lot of Node.js as well. So do you come from a JavaScript background, would you say? I do not. So uh, before I started working at Couchbase, pretty much everything that I used was actually Cold Fusion. I don't know if you've heard of that at all. Our uh, editor for TDN, uh, Brian Rinaldi, actually uh, used to be an advocate for Adobe. So he's done quite a bit of work with Cold Fusion. Yeah, so that that's pretty much my background. I mean, I really didn't do any JavaScript. I did uh, I did some a decent amount of Java, um, but I don't know. JavaScript has, has always uh, been pretty cool to me. And it's getting better um, every day. These frameworks, I mean, you're not looking at, uh, and I'm not bashing this, jQuery is still awesome, but um, there's so many better better frameworks out there than jQuery right now, and it's just really cool. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how the web and maybe even some other spaces have propelled JavaScript into like this need-to-know language. Like You cannot get by without knowing some kind of JavaScript these days. Yeah. You know, whether there's some user interface that needs it or uh, some kind of build process that requires it. And even, you know, like you said, with Node.js, it's running on the server. Um, if you're a modern, uh, you know, developer that's working on modern products, 
um, it's like almost a must to to know some JavaScript. Yeah, at least a little bit. <laughs> so uh, you said you were working with Angular two, and we've we've had a couple discussions on the show about Angular two. We actually got to talk to Brad Green uh, from Google, which was nice. Uh, so from the user side of the coin <laughs> what what do you think about angular 2 so far i like it um i had mixed feelings at first uh because i spent i spent a lot of time uh, getting invested with uh, angular 1 which is very different regardless on how many people say that it's not it's it's totally different to me um but i think it's for the best it it makes it feel uh more like a typed language like java uh because of the use of typescript but it's just it just has that feel something that uh it it's more familiar to people who maybe learned java in school um so overall it's pretty good um uh, there are a lot of uh a lot of i guess you can say upcoming features that are still coming through because i as of right now it's still uh i think it's a release candidate so they're they're still making changes which can be a little difficult to keep up with uh but once once a stable release comes out i'm sure that'll be a lot better yeah, I never was um, really big on Angular 1 myself, and it, it wasn't for uh, a dislike for the framework. I just never had found a use for it. Um, I did a lot of um, you know server-side rendering and then a little bit of jQuery to kind of get the rest of it uh, going on the client side and get interactivity working. So I never really found a project that just benefited uh, greatly from it, so I just never really got into it and used it. But I've been looking more and more at Angular two, and uh, there's a lot of things that I like about that. And I would need to to do some more diving into it uh, once it gets closer to its final state. You don't happen to have know when that is, do you? Because you said you talked to Brad Green. Uh, we talked to Brad Green, and he did not give us the inside scoop on when that was going to come out. Uh, I think they didn't even mention a, a hard, concrete date at NGConf, which we had a lot of folks from work at. So your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> sure. Um, I know it's getting pretty close, though. They're they're getting a little bit more uh, enthusiastic about. Uh, the state of it in um, the users that I've talked to are getting pretty satisfied with where it's at. So hopefully we'll see something soon. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool language. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out, even if you don't even if you don't plan to stick with it. Um, I think I think you're going to have two major frameworks uh, in the world. You're going to have probably the Angular people, and then you're probably going to have the React people. And there's there's place for both of them. Um, but I'm just an Angular guy. And uh, you said you were um, using a little bit of TypeScript because of Angular. Uh, how are how are you finding TypeScript? Do you like it or could live without it? Uh, no, I actually I, I like it. Uh, my one big gripe that I have is that not all JavaScript libraries have type definitions available. Uh, so you're it's, you can kind of uh, override the fact that hey, there's no TypeScript uh, definitions, so you could just shut them off. But that kind of defeats the the whole purpose. So I mean, um, so it does make things a little little strange. Yeah. And uh, is there an easy way to work with Couchbase with TypeScript? So, uh, like I mentioned, uh, there's not really a JavaScript uh, component to oh, Couchbase. Right. There's, I mean, there's there's Node.js, um, but I I think a lot of Node.js in general uh, doesn't 
necessarily work with TypeScript yet. So, uh, of course, Couchbase doesn't uh, have any typings for it right now. Uh, that'll probably change in the future. But, um, yeah, from a, from a front-end kind of browser side of things or native script side of things, uh, there's no front-end component to Couchbase. Yeah, the, um, the whole TypeScript thing um, is very interesting where, you know, Microsoft created this, you know, inner, this uh, superset of JavaScript and um, included some of their um, kind of conventions that you see in C Sharp. And then we also had CoffeeScript. And I'm, I'm not sure how big the CoffeeScript community is these days. Uh, I really haven't kept up with it myself. So I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. But it, it seems like um, TypeScript has really picked up some steam. And I haven't quite heard about CoffeeScript as much lately. Yeah, I never, I never got into to CoffeeScript, but I figured since both Microsoft and Google are really pushing um, TypeScript, something's got to be good about it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I need to just sit down and and learn over a weekend. I mean, I know some of it a little. You know, I haven't really written a whole lot, but I've played with it. Uh, but I think I need to dive into a couple projects and and uh, kind of demo it out for. For the sake of knowing it, looks like it's going to be uh, one of those things that um, that's in quite a few people's build processes in the near future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I have a ton of TypeScript tutorials on my blog. I'll, I'll give a shameless plug here, but if you go to thepolyglotdeveloper.com, there's a lot of I do a lot of uh, JavaScripty kind of things on my blog. A lot of mobile, a lot of web. Yeah, I noticed you have a pretty active uh, YouTube channel as well. I do, yeah. So I try. So when I try to when I make a tutorial on my blog, I usually do a video for it. Not all the time because videos take a lot of time. But uh, I'll try to make a, a video because I don't know. Not not everyone likes reading. They'd rather watch or listen, or the the opposite as well. Yeah, I find that um, that's actually a pretty um, polarizing topic. Actually. Uh, around uh, among developers, really, um, some people are just dead set at reading everything and uh, watching almost nothing. Um, and then there's a crowd that's kind of sits in the middle. And then there's the other, you know, far end where they want to see everything. Uh, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with what kind of a learner you are. Um, myself, I'm a very visual learner, so I, I do like to read some. I guess it depends on what my current state of knowledge is on the subject. So if I'm a complete newbie, then maybe a video is a little bit more uh, of an entry point for me because then I can see what the tools look like and I can see you know, how you're interacting with the build process of whatever tool it is. And that's um, similar to what I do too. So I'll, I'll usually read. But if I absolutely cannot figure out what is going on, like I, I can't get something working, then I'll go find a video because you never know. The author could have missed a step that although the author had found easy um, and didn't think to include it, um, a lot of people may not have thought the same. Yeah, and there's there's like a lot of context you miss uh, when you're just reading sometimes. There's, you know, shortcut keys that people use and, um, you know, other various ways they get around uh, UIs or uh, command lines or uh, you name it that sometimes you're just you know you go to a conference even and you watch somebody presenting something and you're like oh I never knew you could just hit 
control whatever and it skips like three steps or yeah <laughs> you know? absolutely i've actually had people comment on my videos and say well, why didn't you hit these set of keys it would have like cut your time in half and the, and i use them now that i've that people have pointed them out to me yeah i was working on um uh something with a friend of mine and uh, he was having a problem with a web page and i pulled up chrome developer tools and we were doing like a screen share and i was um you know, doing a bunch of debugging and hacking away at, you know, variables and stuff in the console. And uh, he was like, oh, I didn't know some of this stuff existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you, you can't catch that stuff in uh, articles or blog posts or even books. Uh, so I, I find that both are really helpful. Um, and like I said, it depends, at least for me, on my level of expertise with something. Like if it's a very... Um, you know, deep dive type of a topic, and I already know the basics of getting around the system, then I'd probably rather read about it. But if it's something brand new to me, um, like if I was going to go learn about uh, TypeScript or Couchbase or something today, I'd probably go jump into some videos real quick first. Yeah, sure. Uh, so what type, uh, besides your blog, what uh, places can we find uh, more information about Couchbase and getting started with it? Yeah, so uh, so you can go to couchbase.com slash downloads, and you can download uh, Couchbase server. You can download Couchbase mobile. Of course, you can you can get uh, most of Couchbase mobile through, uh, say, Maven or Gradle or uh, the NativeScript uh, plugin manager. Uh, so there's there's different ways to get it. Um, as far as uh, tutorials and uh, getting started kind of guides, you can visit developer.couchbase.com. Uh, or blog.catchbase.com. I also do write a lot of blog content uh, there as well. And a lot of the other uh, engineers and developer advocates do as well. Man, you are a content machine. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to learn. So and I know that uh, everyone learns different. I like to share the process that I went through to learn something. And then hopefully it's easy enough for others to follow as well. And, um, you know, we mentioned your blog and YouTube channel. Um Good Lord, is there any other place that you're, you're creating more content? Well, I do have a few courses, um, but it's just, it's pretty standard content. It's I have a native script course uh, that's pretty popular. Um, it's a really zero, zero to finish kind of course versus trying to sift through a lot of my blog posts. Uh, mm -hmm. Because my blogs are generally uh, how to do one specific thing. It's not the whole story. Uh, so my course is, is the whole story. And uh, you can access that on my blog as well. There's a courses section. We'll, uh, we'll include those in the show notes so everybody can uh, find out what you're doing and writing about and check out your courses and uh, learn more about Couchbase. And uh, I need to um, get some of your discipline and uh, start writing a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've mentioned this before in other uh, outlets, but I actually use my blog... Uh, to really remember what I've done, uh, because I'll I'll learn something, I'll figure, so, I'll spend uh, a couple hours banging my head on something, um, and if I don't write it down somewhere, I'm gonna forget it. So I I write it down my blog. If I forget it, I'll go back to my blog and I'll relearn it. So I I do learn a lot from my own blog as well. Yeah, I've found myself doing that as uh, the same. Like I'll write a. Uh some type of a post or an article and you know maybe even a year later I'll go back and be like oh how did I do this thing in .NET again and it's like 
Oh yeah, I wrote a blog post on that. Let me go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me absolutely. go find my own resource. Yeah, it's very helpful stuff. Well, well I appreciate you uh, coming on the show to talk about uh, Couchbase and NativeScript and uh, lots and lots of other things. Um, it's nice to hear about all those varying technologies and how they all cross paths uh, with you somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad that I was a part of today's show, and I I am a listener, and I. I find the content that that goes out on this podcast pretty good. Well, thank you. Yeah, we uh, we enjoy talking to developers, and um, like I said, you've been uh, brought up a few times on our what's called the Developer Digest show. So uh, Brian Rinaldi, uh, my co-host on that show, he is our community manager and. Uh, editor for the Telerik Developer Network, and he goes out and scours the web for good articles, and sometimes people um, suggest those to us, or are, they come from our team, or they actually come from our uh, developer network. And uh, we put all those great resources in a newsletter that goes out, and then we, uh, as a team, read through those uh, articles and then we talk about them on the podcast to give everybody a little insight as to our opinions on those things, if we have opinions on them. Very cool. Yeah, so it's uh, fun stuff. I, I appreciate all of our listeners out there. If you guys uh, have any questions or comments, you can go to soundcloud.com and uh, look for our podcast there and leave comments. Uh, we also have comments enabled on uh, developer.telerik.com. So if you're looking at the show notes, feel free to drop us a message there as well. And um, give us a upvote on iTunes if you like the show. Uh, that helps other people find it because um, that's the way iTunes works these days. <laughs> yeah. Nick, thanks very much, man. Um, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks.